things like, well, well guilt is one, doubt, guilt and doubt, and then also uh, uh, things like duty and loyalty, where you you have kind of virtuous virtues that one is attached to and identified with. So, I mean, the, and I think that's where the guilt oftentimes comes from, where you, you've got these very high standards of, you know, con, you know, of being <coughs> loyal and and uh, performing your duties, being dependable, uh, and then uh, feeling very guilty about when, when you maybe you can't live up to those standards, or or feeling so attached to them that uh, that you you know you. You, you can't see the attachment because they're, you're attached to something very uh, kind of ennobly. And uh, you know, these are very deceptive. That's why the attachment is such a realization to see that, you know, attachment, uh, upadana, is the, is, the, uh, is the kind of cause of uh, suffering, attachment to desire. So even attachment to the desire to be the, to be a, a good monk or a good nun, and and uh, to be performing your duties and being loyal and and moral and dependable and all that attachment to that also is uh, brings suffering. Because uh, whenever you conceive yourself as being anything, you know, then it, then it, it's all, it's, it's uh, out of this avicca. Then you, then you, you then it always uh, the dukkha is the result of is the result of that attachment. And then you think you think well, well if I don't, you know, the the mind then it, 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 the thinking process is is uh, is very much you know very dualistic. So it. When you conceive yourself as being loyal and and good, then then there's a fear of yourself not of being disloyal and and not very good. And uh, so the the problem lies in the in the actual illusion of a self that one grasps. Because as the, as that drops away, then then the mindfulness, the satipanya, sati and panya, really you know. We love the good, basically. When there's clarity, mental clarity, then we there's a love of the good. It's not attaching to ideas about being good as a person. And, uh, at least for me, there's a, a natural kind of love of the good. And uh, and when I, when there's mindfulness and mental clarity, there isn't a love of the bad. You know, you just don't want to to uh, you don't want to uh, do bad things or. What my I remember, you know, thinking years ago, uh, the bad, oftentimes bad things or evil, used to seem fascinating. I remember, back in the fifties, Eartha Kitt sang this sexy song, "I Want to Be Evil," and, <laughs> and we would, <laughs> you know, it all sounded so glamorous and fascinating. <laughs> That, and 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 goodness sounded boring, 
you know, goody good and nicey nice and and uh, it sounds so boring. Where being evil sounded captivating, interesting, fascinating. But as there's mental clarity, it's not that way. I mean, it, the evil sound is just not at all interesting. It's it's boring, and you just don't want to. You know, you don't want. You're not attracted or interested or find it interesting. And the good is is where what you love is what you 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 love the good, the natural state from the from the purity of the mind, not from a self view though, because when there's a self view cluttering it up, then it then uh, it gets all it can get distorted. Because I mean, we we have so many convoluted views of ourselves, and they're you know, you know, they can be quite perverted or aberrant or or distorted sense of ourself, which which distorts our our experiences. So, like when the the clarity of the mind, the pure that pure clarity, then is uh, nothing. Then, then there's no no problem. One one really longs uh, and and inclined to the good, loves the good, the beautiful, the true, and the and then the evil isn't uh, fascinating or interesting. It's downright boring. Like in, uh, I remember when Ajahn Sujita was was doing these. Uh, Illustrations for the Tamajaka Sutra and the, and the temptations of Mara, you know, tempting the ascetic Gotama, and, and uh, he had you know kinds of kind of figures of most you know terrifying types or seductive types. But then they also brought in things like duty and responsibility and things that these these kind of things that are very that can make us, that you know, like, like, your duty is to go back and help your father, who's king, and he needs your help, and to raise your child and support your wife. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, this kind of, you know, the, the sense of, of a worldly <coughs> duty as being, you know, having this this great urgency, and more more important than spiritual uh, realization. Because the world does have that very strong uh, feeling, doesn't it? Of, of you know, it's, you know, you should be doing this, and you shouldn't be just sitting there watching your breath. You should be out helping the solve the problems of the world. And uh, and these things are very intimidating. You know, they're very uh, you know easy to uh, to feel guilty or feel get intimidated by such statements. Because sometimes we, we, you know, it's like we aren't really doing anything. Uh, uh, you know, if you're just sitting there in life in the, in the monastery, it can seem like, you know, compared to helping lepers in Calcutta or doing, you know, uh, doing all kinds of uh, social work in the, in the world. Not to to put that down, but also, you know, that. That the, that the uh, spiritual life 
is is isn't something to uh, to regard as as just being selfish and not ha- not of not of any use to anyone. <coughs> because I remember somebody saying to me was commenting about how how bad humanity is, all the bad things they do, and uh, you know how selfish, materialistic, and brutal humanity is. You could make lists now in newspaper clippings of just the most horrible things that human beings do. And you can make a case, if you just fill your mind with with all the horrors of the time, I mean, you, you're just going to get a very negative view about human huma, humanity in general. But then, uh, when you think, well, well, if human beings are, are basically bad and selfish, and uh, and you know, there's no good forces influencing human human the human world at this time, it's just mass media which is just trying to make us greedy and materialistic. Then, but then you then you uh, realize that there are you know the the usually the good human beings are not the ones that get in the news. And uh, also, how do we know there are all kinds of spiritual forces protecting us and arahants uh, living in the Himalayas, uh, sending out their pure vibrations and all <coughs> kinds of <coughs> Brahma deity protectors and uh, forces of goodness and angels and, and so forth and, and Jesus Christ, the whole lot, maybe <coughs> they're, they're all working. Uh, and 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 if they weren't there, then it'd really be terrible. Then we'd all be just at each other's throats. Just we wouldn't have a good thought in our mind at all. We just me and mine, and if you're in my way, get out of my way. Just totally selfish. They'd probably all kill each other. But then you think, why don't we just do that? Why why what what is it that restrains us? And then there's this. There is, you know, we're we're not uh, separated from that purity. That purity is all pervading. That pure goodness and and the benevolence that comes out of that. So, so then you're, you know, then to tune into that is the point of the meditation to to uh, plug into it again. Because as soon as you go the other way into the conditions of yourself, no matter how good they might be, you still, you still, you still uh, suffering. Because you can, when you conceive yourself in any way, then, then uh, there's always something, you know, and you don't know what you're doing. You're just, you're just creating yourself, and 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 uh, and you don't know that you're doing it. Then of course it's, it. Uh, it is uh, unsatisfying to us because as people and as in, as personalities we're not you know how can we be pure and good as personalities it's uh, because those things are, are you know fixations and conditions conditioned into the mind but as as beings who who liberate their mind from delusion then then the human human conscious forms are 
are benefits to to the to the whole world. Field of merit. A great blessing. And the blessings can come through the human through these human forms. And it's not me blessing anybody, not like Adam Samedo's blessing everybody. That's not how it seems at all. You, 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 you let Ajahn Samedo pass away and then blessings seem to <laughs> it seems like the more blessing the less I the more I kind of get rid of myself the more blessings uh, that I feel are, are surrounding me but as soon as I get back into the old mode of me and what I think what I want then it, it, the world is very tight and not very nice. Because as a personality, there's a, there's always a something you know you don't like, and you get hurt, you get offended, you get jealous, you you're anxious, you're threatened, you're upset, you're you're always disagreeing with this, or you don't like the way somebody does that, or. And always the world is always full of problems and and people are always making stupid mistakes and it goes on and on into just uh, into this uh, sangsaric uh, confusion so so that's why I'm emphasizing this retreat that the purity of them, uh, that that which is truly pure, get to to know that, realize it. It's something, you know. It's it's, it's here and now, timeless. Not something that you don't have. And that's not not present here to be realized now. But you have to give up your own views about it and thoughts and desires to to realize that because whatever you conceive it to be, it, it becomes otherwise. If you conceive purity and try to find it, you, you never quite know what 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 is pure, you just because you've already conceived some idea and then you're trying to find something that you conceive as purity and you're never quite sure what what it is. Well, the real thing is, is usually is overlooked because you're you're looking for something rather than realizing, opening. Very interesting time with the sila draws because it, it is to uh, talk about issues and problems, uh, personal or sangha problems or problems of the past and all that, so that, it, that uh, th things uh, are being discussed, are being listened to. And then, then the result of it, instead of it becoming a kind of quarreling, you did this and, and you did that kind of thing, it's this, this, this point of listening to each other and listening to your, your own reaction to what's being said, it's openness of the mind. Your mind's open, so you're you're receiving both. You're listening, trying to listen to what somebody's trying to say. Because oftentimes when they're when they're talking about very personal things or emotions that are 
you know, very, that they maybe never really verbalized. You can't always go by ex exact words they're using because that, that isn't, oftentimes they aren't, they don't really mean what they're saying. They're, they're trying to say something uh, about how they're feeling. And it's very hard to describe in words. So you try to tune in or be receptive and then you can see your own uh, reaction, you know, your own emotional reaction, what, what that's like if you feel, you know, uh, you don't agree with them or, or you, you're trying to, uh, you feel, you know, you feel they've got it wrong or you feel they're blaming you or they feel they're, they're, uh, they're saying you're, you're the one who's at fault. Uh, and you can see, you can see this, this er, er, uh, emotional reaction, but you don't believe that either. You don't, you don't, but you're, you're accepting your emotional reaction, but you're not, you're not making anything out of it. And then, then uh, through that, just that, that kind of openness of mind, you realize you can resolve things very well. You can, you can let go of things and you're, you're not, uh, you not, don't have to carry things around and, uh, or just kind of grit your teeth and grin and bear uh, the pain of life as a kind of martyr. That the human situation is capable of, of, of uh, if there's honesty and, and uh, right intention, then, then we, have, uh, we have the ability to resolve uh, the, say the problems that exist that arise in between human beings or social situations or the problems of convention and uh, generation gaps and gender problems and bhikkhu silidara problems and <laughs> the whole thing you know is that not that you're, you can, can, can make these conventions into what everyone wants, but that's not the point, is it? It's not, it's not the conventions that are really the problem, it's the ignorance and the grasping that is always the, uh, the cause of suffering. So that, that you, you can... Uh, You realize, like the maturity of a human mind is, and then it's a just through that the purity of the mind itself. Then, then suddenly these these personal things, these these emotional problems, and and that that we carry because we, we you can feel yourself being bitter about things that happened years ago. Aren't you? In your mind, you can you know, things that happened. Twenty years ago, thirty years ago, you know, I can, I can bring remember things, and uh, and if I want, I can feel bitter about them, <laughs> and because uh, I wasn't always treated fairly, and and life hasn't been just a bed of roses. Hasn't been just a. Uh, kinds of uh, things that I resent and, and, and feel are not right and shouldn't have been that way. And, and 
the whole, you know, the whole 60 years of uh, stuff I could <laughs> you know, hang on to. But, uh, but then resolving it in this way, it suddenly doesn't mean anything anymore. Because you're breaking down all the illusions of yourself and the past and the future and and all the the, the illusoriness of the samsara, it it it's, uh, it collapses. So that there's there's the moment, the now, the the purity of being now, and the the awareness, the intelligence. There's the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha now. And so suddenly, all the other stuff is uh, is just uh, no, not no longer uh, something that that one. Uh, is interested in. But on the emotional level, emotions, I think it helps to talk things out, to, and to, because, you know, it's, it's very, very helpful to see that, you know, how, how when we live together, we do affect each other. So sometimes we do hurt each other, or without uh, maybe intending to, but sometimes we're just very insensitive, or we we just have misunderstood situations, or we we're acting on prejudices or or, view, or views that aren't right, or or we're you know just misunderstood in terms of you know one particular character might not relate well to another. So there's all this this kind of thing that is is a, you know the community is fraught with all kinds of misunderstandings when they have this many people living together and uh, problems and difficulties because uh, we if, if we're uh, you know we we can be uh, quite quite insensitive and, and not open so then uh, the meditation opens the mind the opening your the mind is 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 in going kind of Broadening, so it can embrace all these different things. Then it can resolve those, those things, and just to uh, to realize how you know sometimes we call it we call it feedback or admonishment. Just getting information about how I affect people. Let's so say this this being here, Ajahn Sumato, just physically, just being big sometimes affects people. You know, you don't. Just being big person affects people. I know. I know some people who are just immediately don't like me because I'm big. <coughs> I mean, I can't help that. <laughs> or because I'm the 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 abbot, or a man, a big man with power. Powerful man, and uh, listen, these these are perceptions, you know. No, I don't see myself like that. I don't see myself as, you know. I don't think I'm a big man with power. Just, just, isn't the perception I hold about myself. But but when you hear, you know how how you know how your presence affects somebody, then I find that helpful because then it. Uh, you know, it helps me to understand why things much more clearly. How to maybe, uh, you know, how to to respond or 
be in a way that isn't kind of exaggerating these things or, or uh, sometimes you don't realize that what you're saying is or how you say things that uh, hurts people or upsets them and when they tell you then you can then you, you can change the, the way you do it if you feel it that they have a good point if they're not just being uh, silly about it, it because it's very hard sometimes to see see yourself in terms of how 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 you affect others, and uh, it's but it, you know I think it's something that we all dread in a way. I mean, I used to absolutely dread feedback or criticism because there was one part of me that was just so frightened of of. Uh, of, of having to hear anything negative because I'd get hurt. I'd emotionally feel hurt or wounded if somebody criticized me. I could feel very wounded. And, and, and then I could go into kind of a mental state of like, oh, I'm no good or they don't like me or it kind of a, on a, a kind of immature emotions that would, that would be triggered off in to, uh, you know, fear, a feeling of worthlessness or failure and thinking of yourself as some kind of failure or inadequate person or weak or in a negative way. But then in, uh, in, then in terms of Dhamma more and more you, you, you realize that uh, those are have those are emotional habits, you know. So criticism is one thing. Somebody criticizes, that's one thing. How I react, emotionally react to that is another. So contemplate that. If somebody criticizes you, that's you feel it. Maybe it's even unfair. Maybe they've got it all wrong. Maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. But but it feels, ha it has a certain feeling to it. It hurts, maybe. Somebody says something about how insensitive and, uh, you are, and that, that, that's a kind of hurt that hurts. You feel the hurt of it, but you don't react. You learn to not react emotionally. Not through suppressing emotion, but through, through understanding. You don't have to, you don't have to proliferate on it. Because you're you're willing to to contemplate what they've said and see whether you know learn from that learn you know re learn about you know well, how they they might see a situation or how you you uh, react to it. So this way, you're actually liberating your mind from from uh, from these. Uh, irksome emotional habits <laughs> they're really they're really unpleasant you know to, to go around being offended all the time or having everybody having to kind of pussyfoot around you you know we don't dare say this sergeant Sumato and he'll lash out at us or we don't dare tell him because he'll he'll be wounded he'll be hurt and we don't want to hurt him or or uh, it's kind of where we just they become isolated. Somebody like myself can become very isolated, being a, the head monk, and being big, powerful, 
Yeah, people don't. We, can't, we don't dare tell him. They probably shatter us, or jump on us, or, <laughs> or, or else you think, oh, we don't want to hurt his feelings, because you know you say you say something, and I look wounded. Then, then, then you feel, oh, I, I really did something terrible because I hurt Ajahn Sumato. <laughs> and so then you, you know, then you get these dysfunctional situations where everybody is, you know, just stiff upper lip and bearing with it, watching their minds, but total in, total lack of proper communication. Uh, it's like like if you when you realize there's nothing to lose and that there's no self and that's really true there is no self then there's nothing to hide there's nothing you have to hide or and, and in the social scene in the sangha life and that then it's uh, it's uh, <coughs> it's just learning from each other really as we we, uh, when our karma ripens and when things happen, then we can, you know, there's a there's a sense of trust and openness that is a, makes life as a human being a very a much more pleasant experience than if you're a human being that feels oh you can't tell anyone you've got to keep everything a secret or or you. You know, you, you you've just got to make the best of something that isn't very good, or grin and bear it, and that kind of thing is oftentimes what we do with life, because because oftentimes people do, aren't open to admonishment or towards real honesty. It's a, a lot of life is pretense, isn't it? Just incredible seeing Venerable Sumino, who was here last January. His father. This was years ago before Amavati. His father and mother came to see him at Chithurst and uh, elderly couple and they remember they came into the uh, and they, they of course they were very much against him being a monk so they wanted him to become a millionaire businessman not a beacon <laughs> and so they, they'd gone to Israel and uh, on a tour of the Holy Land and so forth then they then they come to England and uh, they were sitting in the reception uh, first day they arrived at the reception room at Chithurst and uh, of course uh, Sumino's father was, was sitting there and he didn't look very good he looked rather pale and thickly but, uh, and, and, but the mother was the real talkative one and she was chattering on chattering about this chattering about that and, and carrying on and then and then uh, we look, look at Mr. Sales and we say, are you all right? And he says, I'm okay. And then we, we'd go. <laughs> and through, through, through an hour or more in that reception room, when we kept asking, he says, I'm okay, I'm okay. And then he collapsed. <laughs> <laughs> and he went to the hospital in Midhurst and died there a few days later. <laughs> I thought this is a good example of a man that, that, that just got in the habit of saying, I'm okay, I'm okay. <laughs>
then Venerable Simino made a plaque for his father. He said, Albert Salesen, born, he was born in Russia and he died in England. Born in Russia at such and such a date and died in England on such and such a date. But most of his life he lived in the United States. <laughs> so I thought that was another interesting comment on life, you know, birth and death. And in between there's no mention, you know, that he, <laughs> he was an American citizen. He was <laughs> and here in England it's a it's a stiff upper lip society isn't it everything's okay no problem I'm all right and maybe inside you're you're really uh, falling apart, but and uh, and maybe you don't even know it. I mean, you can even, you know, you can just be so, so, uh, so distracted that you you don't even know what you're feeling. So this kind of openness and that does it gives a a, a community a sense of trust and uh, and uh, accommodating uh, individual. Uh, problems, idiosyncrasies, in a way that that is, uh, you know, helpful and and uh, and pointing, always pointing in the right direction towards the truth, towards the Dhamma, rather than than towards worldly uh, worldly goals or worldly situations. Because if there is no self, then there's nothing you can lose, is it? Everything helps. And so any anything that brings up a sense of yourself is worth worth recognizing. You know, so if you, somebody says things that offend you, then they're helping you. Because if you feel offended and you wallow in the being offended, then actually, you know, they're they're helping, you know, they're, they're bringing up maybe the, so you're attached to something and you can, uh, you can use it for liberation. Look at it like that, people. Lung Po Chang says it's the sharpening stone for the wisdom sword. Your enemies, the people that, that, that have it in for you, the people that upset you, people that annoy you people you don't like, people, uh, these kind of things that you're always trying to get, he says, that's your sharpening stone for wisdom. I always remember that because, because there's always uh, in, you know, somebody that was annoying me. <laughs> somebody could, uh, people could bring up indignation, I could really get indignant. I have a strong indig indignant streak. They say it's uh, from the being born in the sign of Leo. You suffer from this this uh, righteous indignation. So that that was, and it, I don't know about other signs, but if but this is this could really be powerful indignation and very convincing. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, it's very, I'm right, and it's not really kind of, you really storm around with a, full of your own self-righteousness, and burn everything inside. It's like that, and uh, there's a lot of, uh, of this, you know, I'm right, I'm right, you're wrong, you did it, you're the one that, you shouldn't have said that. You're the one that hurt me, and then, and then uh, the sense of you had no right to hurt me, and you hurt me, and I'm going to make you pay for it. <laughs> and when you when you listen to this, you know, you realize how how ugly it all is, how uh, painful it is to even think like that. So when you see uh, the Sita draws and me and Venerable Jutindra sitting in the Nisoka Mihara drinking tea, don't think we're just having a tea party. So sometimes, like at the evening puja, I don't make it because just as the bell rings, some very sensitive thing has just been brought up. 